episode 274 of the HHH Racing Podcast is proudly sponsored by the Adelphi Racing Club. Adelphi Racing Club, offering a truly personal thoroughbred ownership experience. You'll have a lot of fun and excitement, and, uh, and you'll meet some great, great people. All the folks I've met so far at Adelphi have just been super, and uh, I've picked up some new friendships, the friendships along the way. We're not just a syndicate, and our members aren't just investors. We are partners. Contact us online to get a taste of the Adelphi difference. And now let's start episode 274 of the HHH Racing Podcast. Welcome to episode 274 of the HHH Racing Podcast. It is time for Saratoga. We are so excited that you are here. We're going to be discussing uh, the meet preview for Saratoga briefly and then get into race one and the late pick four on opening day this Thursday with a fantastic special guest, Mr. Nick Tamaro. We can't wait to start the show. Thank you much for joining us tonight. Please make sure you hit that subscribe button on the bottom right hand side of the screen. We really need your help. Please hit that subscribe button. It doesn't cost you anything. We won't send you any crazy emails. All that does, it sends the YouTube algorithm, the robot, to our YouTube channel. So we greatly appreciate that. Also, smash that like button. And I mean smash that like button, that thumbs up button. We'd appreciate that as well. And also hit that notification bell because we have so much content coming up on this podcast this week and throughout Saratoga. You don't want to miss anything, so please hit that notification bell as well. You can follow me on Twitter. You can see on my name tag, at hkravitz, and the scroll at the bottom of the screen, hkravitzhorse at gmail.com. Also scrolling at the bottom of the screen, we have plenty of shows. You can check them all out, again, on our YouTube channel. Just type in HHH Racing Podcast on YouTube, and we'll get you there as well. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. Power Picks. We have brand new Power Picks. You can see through Patreon below the screen are the regular Power Picks. We also have Saratoga Power Picks that I'm going to wait for our co-hosts. They're going to come on here in a moment to talk about. You can see right there we have Saratoga only Power Picks for the weekends, Friday through Sunday at the spa. Just go to our website. I'll show you more detail how to sign up for that. We already have many, many people sign up for these special Saratoga-only Power Picks website, hhhracingpodcast.com. All right, let me go ahead and bring on my co-host, and then we'll bring on our guest for tonight very quickly. First, from the East Coast of Maryland, Mr. Pete Visco, and also 
from the wonderful Commonwealth of Massachusetts, Mr. Paul Halloran. Guys, as I bring on our background here, how are we doing tonight? It's Christmas Eve Eve. <laughs> sure is. Pete, you're right for good. Saratoga? Yeah, you know, it's a track. It's got races. You can spend money, so it sounds good to me. All right, pretty pretty casual. Guys, let's go right into our uh, power picks here because it's very exciting. We have a lot of uh, people that are interested in our Saratoga power picks. Pete, I'll let you do the honors. We've talked about this a little bit already, but again, here is our website. And tell people what to do if they are interested in our Saratoga-only power picks. Yeah, so if you see the right at the top of the screen there, if you just click that, it takes you to the Power Picks page, or you can go right to the Power Picks page. When you, If you could scroll down just a touch there, Howard, we can see. So for any Power Picks current subscriber, so if you currently, as of today, get the Power Picks, the regular Power Picks through Patreon, then you would click on either this one for the individual weekend, which is this upcoming weekend, or the full meet power picks. And, and if you're a, you're a current subscriber, you get a discount. I think it's basically a free weekend if you do the the individual or the whole meet power picks. And then if you're a non-power pick subscriber, you get the same thing. You get the weekend, individual weekend power picks and the full meet. And I guess the important thing, Howard, is if anyone wants the full meet power picks, you have to get it by this Thursday at midnight. Otherwise, once we get into this weekend, we're not offering, if I'm correct, we're not offering the full meat ones at that point. It'll just be weekend. Is that correct? We actually are going to offer the full meat up through next Thursday. Oh, up to the next week. They're just going to lose out on the discount of the one free weekend. Oh, I got you. Okay. One weekend will already be gone. So they can sign up for the full meat uh, power picks up through a week from this Thursday midnight. But of course, the uh, individual weekend subscriptions they can do throughout the meet as Anytime. long as they do it Monday through Thursday midnight of the week that they want the picks on for the weekend. Exactly. Yep. Oh, Sounds good. Yeah. And then you just click that. You have to be, the important thing is you have to be a PayPal user. The, even though there's little pictures of credit cards there, there was a little confusion, but you can only pay through PayPal. But if you yep. just click on it, it'll take you right to your account. And then Howard will get a notification and he'll add you to the distribution lists. Yeah, so please make sure you sign up for, again, the, the weekend-only power picks. You can sign up any Monday through Thursday before midnight. If you want the full meet Saratoga power picks, which is Friday through Sunday, uh, again, the power picks are only Friday through Sundays. When I say full meet, I mean every weekend. Uh, you can sign up for that until a week from this Thursday midnight. After that, we are going to close it. And then we also, again, really exciting, guys, uh, this Saturday, myself, Matt Miller, Kyle Roscoe, and I'm pretty sure Charlie Freeman will all be at the Crestwood OTB outside Chicago. Very exciting for our pool party. We'll be there live, guys, uh, covering the uh, last four races at Saratoga. They give us a thousand bucks to spend. Everyone there has a chance to win real money. You get appetizers, etc. You do have to be there in person. Uh, to be uh, eligible for that, but we're very excited, guys, to once again, and we're going to be live here on the broadcast as well uh, for that. So we got a lot. That, that flyer is on the website as well, in case anyone in the Chicago area is curious about the details. Sorry, Howard, that is sitting on there as well. If you if you want to check it out later, yeah, we're really excited, and we got plenty of shows, guys. We don't have time to talk about, it, but go to our website at Pete's done a great job, or go to our YouTube channel for shows. All right, guys, let's bring on. Uh, our fantastic special guest. He's 
uh, been on before. So let's go ahead and discuss uh, Saratoga, and he's the perfect person uh, to do it. He is the racetrack announcer at Sam Houston Racecourse, the more line maker at uh, Keeneland. He also does an unbelievable job at In The Money Media, our good friends at In Money Media, especially when PTF is out of town gallivanting throughout Europe. Friend of the show, excellent handicapper, great guy, Mr. Nick Tamro. Nick, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me. I think it's been a year since I was on. I think it was last uh, <laughs> last opening week at Saratoga, so it feels like a tradition now. Yeah, actually, we had you on the fall for Keeneland to talk about morning light. I did. You did. You did. That's right. As well. Yeah, so it's been way uh, too long, but I know you're a busy guy. Last time uh, Paul and I saw you in person, this guy in the bottom left won the grade one gamble, sure did, of which yeah, you were there, and he came in the last second and won the grade one gamble. And Nick also had the pleasure of meeting for the first time your wonderful wife and daughter. So that was quite the special weekend for a lot of reasons. <laughs> yes, very much so. Never uh, never a bad time at Keeneland. It was good seeing all of you. I hadn't met Paul in person, so he uh, said that I might have been his good luck charm. I don't know. <laughs> one, one for one, Nick. One for one, right. Yeah, we'll have to see. <laughs> we'll see you one at the BCBC, <laughs> Nick. That's right, exactly. We'll get <laughs> oh. to the test. Listen, exciting, and hopefully NHC as well, which we're going to touch on very briefly for, I think we all know why, but uh, always, always great to spend time uh, with a large group. Nick, let's get right into it. Uh, I was going to do a full, like, last year we did a full uh, hour previewing Saratoga. There's plenty of previews out there people can watch. I chose just to do a very brief preview tonight along with uh, the card on Thursday. So a few quick questions. I, I watched last year's show make sure we covered everything. Not much has, has changed, but there are a few topics I want to cover, guys. Um, and you're going to see banners at the bottom of the screen. Nick, you're already aware of what we're going to talk about. Again, very briefly, maybe 30 seconds to a minute on each one. First of all, uh, for Saratoga 2023, some trainers, jockeys to watch, any uh, newcomers or, or uh, names that people are going to see in the program that you think people should be aware of? Um, I don't think there's going to be any newcomers. The colony is going to pretty much be the same as it's been recently. Florent Giroux is going to be more of a regular. He has a new agent now. Uh, in, he's with John Panagat, so he'll get some more regular mounts. He kind of came up on the weekends and stuff in the past. Obviously, he'll still have some Brad Cox mounts. So I don't really think anybody's going to be – there are really no new additions to the New York Colony. Obviously, Luis Saez rode in Kentucky so far this uh, this summer and did extremely well at both Churchill and Ellis and very quietly went over 27 at Belmont during that period of time as well. So, you know, Saez is a guy who's ridden very well notoriously at Saratoga. I would assume he'll do well. Um, Belmont, for some reason, is just – it's like his kryptonite. He just does not ride Belmont well. You know, maybe it's it's because it's more of a of a sit and wait type of dirt track, and he's more of a go 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 type of jockey. So it, it's it's really been remarkable how I mean he's had twelve or fourteen percent Belmont meets and then gone up to Saratoga and done well. So I would assume he'll do better. Kieran McLaughlin's going to get him on a lot of live horses. Uh, trainer wise, you know, one one guy who I have to say, and I wanted to pull up some stats, but I didn't because the meets were separated. Uh, I would say that Mike Maker is a guy you want to watch really closely the first two weeks. He got off to very quick starts in 2021 and 22. So it's obvious that Maker, you know, Maker gets this condition book as early as possible. And you know, he's looking at who he can go out and, 
and, you know, win within the first couple of weeks. So obviously the big names, you know, Chad Brown, Todd Pletcher. The one thing I would say about both of them is that they're going to go through a prolonged losing streak at some point. They're going to struggle because the racing is that hard. Just recognize when they are that you're probably going to get value elsewhere because the, uh, the public does really hone in on them uh, quite significantly. I'd also like to mention David Donk, who I think, you know, points to this meet. He's had a bit of a quiet year, but he points to this meet, and uh, 007 <laughs> will be out there uh, for sure. We got a lot Nobody of Nobody points to more than him, right? I mean, he's stable there. Yeah, yeah, Bond is for big, sure. big at Saratoga. Uh, comments on the bottom of the screen. Uh, Nikki the Boss, fellow Astros fan and Super Derby friend Glenn Parker uh, yeah, is here. Uh, we got a lot of – we got Nick Feldman uh, loves everyone. We got, again, we got a lot of people here for the show. Uh, Charles B, thank you very much. Nice call, Howard Pete, on that sixth Saturday. I tipped out Burn Jakey Burn on the uh, show. Nick Tamro, who won it twelve to one and did it well. I know, Pete. I sort of feel bad because I know you needed the first time started Weaver uh, for something. So I hate when we're going. <laughs> well, I, I know, I know. Nick didn't love the way that race went too from uh, from some Twitter comments. But I, I, I had, I was in a, I was in a feeder, Nick, and I needed the the twelve to to win the race to move on to to a NHC qualifier on Sunday. And when the twelve couldn't get there, and I was like, hey, just run straight, and I think he gets by. And I know you had I to work your way third, right? I needed 12 1 to win the Naira contest yeah. and get another. Oh, NCAA. okay. Oh. So, oh and I bet 12 you, uh, to win. Uh, so, yeah. Nick, we didn't talk through, uh, we didn't talk at all Saturday, but based on the contest, I played it well. I'm pretty sure he did have one of your all in entries, and correct me if I'm wrong, charge it over, uh, gosh, the, gotcha. the three horse in the uh, Suburban, yep. correct? Yep. Yeah, so that, that was, was nice. a cold exact. Uh, that I should well have for uh, you. I should have played it with both entries, but the other one I kind of yeah. I played four three one four one three a little bit of three four. So I really should have just my best opinion on the whole card was charge it over Clapton cold. Clapton, so I should have tried go. to maximize that as much as possible, but because it didn't the second half of the card didn't go quite as well for me. Yeah, the last, yeah, I couldn't. I use was a, bummed. I saw the leaderboard. Like, where's Nick? And it just like kept going. I know that feeling when you crush early and your just number goes down, 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 down. Yeah. And it was crazy. I don't want to get in the Naira contest. We all have things to talk about. But boy, were there a lot of low totals on Saturday. It was unbelievable. There were a lot. It was all, I mean, it's a top loaded contest, right? I mean, you're, right. you're, you're buying in for 300. You're trying to win a BCBC spot. There's no, I mean, I could have just finished second. I would have taken the cash obviously, but yeah. I ended up trying to win. And so I know no harm in that. Um, you know, there's seven more of them coming up at Saratoga, including a, <laughs> including a thousand dollar one on August 12th. There you go. If you're a contest player, look out for Nick Tamro. Uh, Paul, isn't Rayler riding full-time, by the way? We didn't mention him. Raylo was there opening day, but he is back to Ellis for okay. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So uh, I think he's going to pretty much go where, you know, where the action is, so to speak. I think Colonial changing their schedule is going to hurt him because he would have been a guy to ship down to Colonial on Monday and Tuesday. And that's another topic for another day. That's just another tremendous decision by CDI to go head to head with Saratoga starting on opening day. Uh, but, so I have not spoken with him, um, but I did. I do. He's on my jockey watch, and I know he is opening day at Saratoga, and then the next three days at Ellis. So uh, I think he's going to pretty much be back and forth. Okay. Yeah, I think he's doing Wednesday, Thursdays at Saratoga. Yeah, that makes sense, okay. Nick. Yeah. Yeah. I think he will be full time there at some point, uh, but we'll, we'll see. I don't mean this year. I mean in yeah. the coming years. Uh, Nick, stake schedule minor changes, I believe, to the stake schedule. Correct. 
Yeah, nothing too significant. I know some big stakes on Travers Day got moved to Friday. The personal engine, which, you know, even you, Howard, probably don't remember when the personal engine was run on Friday, but I know I uh, do not. Paul, I do. Paul and Pete probably do. The personal <laughs> engine was run on Friday for years. Um, it was a it was it was actually a staple on Friday. And um, I remember, gosh, I remember beautiful pleasure exacting some revenge on Heritage of Gold and the personal ends in, in 1999, I want to say, 99 or 2000, something like that. And it was on Friday. I was actually at school and I had to run and call my dad and ask who won. So um, that was a minor change. Otherwise, the, so the Forbidden Apple was renamed the Kelso. Same exact race, basically, uh, prep for the four-star Dave. That'll be run this weekend. Fingers crossed for good weather. But yeah, you can count on a grade one every Saturday, multiple grade ones on a couple of those cards, including the Whitney and the uh, closing weekend as well. You'll have the, the jockey club gold cup. And there's another grade one on that card that escapes my mind right now, but um, there's multiple grade ones that weekend. Of course, Travers day will be big Alabama, you know, it's, it's Saratoga. So no shortage of great stakes. One change how it is for those of us who follow the New York breads, the New York bread showcase day, has been on Friday before the Travers the last several years. It has now moved to Sunday, the day after the Travers. Okay. And and that kind of goes hand in hand with the personal ensign going to Friday to, to anchor that Friday card. That that well, that whole weekend's great, but that that Friday card uh was all New York Reds uh in about six or eight stakes the, the last uh I don't know, several, several years. So. It had, yeah. It had been probably 10 years, eight yeah. or 10 years or so. And, uh, you know, I think the thought process there was that that card is going to garner some attention on Sunday more so than a sort of stakeless mundane Sunday card. And I was at, I was at, I was there on Sunday after Travers last year, it thinned out quite a bit. So, sure you know, the, the New York breads have a decent enough following. I think it'll actually be pretty fun as a Sunday card. Uh, for sure. Nick Feldman, by the way, Nick, how are you doing? He's going to be, at uh, Whitney Day, I'll be there as well. Actually, quick uh, announcement, uh, not that people are going to care too much, but my schedule in terms of being at Saratoga has changed slightly for good reason. I'll tell everyone that in just a second. Nick, by the way, I really appreciate the fact you think that I'm younger than Pete Visco. We're actually about the same age, so I'm actually older than I look, Nick. Well, you're I, older I, than me. I know that, but, you know. I'm, I I'm, uh, know. I'll be 52 next month. Yeah, I'll be forty in December, which is bad oh, enough. But wow, uh, that, you, well, you've not, you've not been a racing fan for more than what, like ten or fifteen years? No, I've actually been a racing fan for like thirty years. I just okay. haven't been a contest player for, okay. for the last okay. few years. But no, I've yeah. been a racing fan since I was a late teen. Well, you come from a great racing city. It's just a shame that it's where it is now. You know. Well, <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that in just a second. But uh, I'm not going to let those three knuckleheads uh, at risk of me losing a job. I'll probably avoid that topic altogether. Handicappers. <laughs> well, we'll bring it up for just a minute. I think we have to because of your great contest experience. Um, first cop sires. Two-year-olds under the uh, maybe under the radar sires. We all know there's a lot of baby races, Nick, um, going on, of course, in Saratoga. Army Mule. Army was Mule. I was the first one that jumped into my head. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Pete. No, um, no. I was going to say that's the first one because he he's been great on all surfaces, all distances. It doesn't really matter. It's crazy. It's cool to see some uh, new names uh, in the sire crop uh, that are going to be firing at uh, Saratoga, Nick. Yeah, always fun. Um, there's one that's in the second on Thursday that's uh, by Audible. Um, he is a new stallion clearly now is a new stallion in there as well. Obviously not a, not a commercial one. Those are as far as horses go that are, that are actually entered. But um, I'll tell you a horse that just seems like every horse 
that he sires is running is, is good magic. I mean, including Mage, of course, but the good magics are, are very good first time out. And uh, he had a really nice looking winner for Bill Mott uh, uh, last Saturday in the opener. So, yeah, you know, the other thing about these races is that there's more information readily available now about them than we've seen in quite some time between the uh, great news for horse players, too, that XBTV is going to be able to show workouts at both Saratoga and Del Mar. So, you know, in addition to maybe buying the workout report or, or following along with some of the good info that's out there, you can also watch the workouts yourself. And I, I think that's you know, no longer kind of a cottage industry but um, it's something that now everybody's getting a little more tuned into. So that's that that'll be a lot of fun. I um, I can't think of a freshman stallion that I'm particularly excited about above all. But um, how about well, Matoli's seems to be running, Nick? They had, he had a winner today. Yeah. We how that race at Horseshoe, Indianapolis. We watched. Yeah. Uh, seems like he's uh, coming on to the scene. You Got would imagine ball. that his progeny are going to be fast, right? I mean, he was, he was awfully fast himself. Yeah, listen, you have to. We're going to, on our Saratoga Power Picks, Pete, we're going to give as many uh, pedigree stats as we can because we know a lot of people either don't have the time, don't understand, etc. So we're going to try to do that very much, guys, with our Saratoga Power Picks is when we give out stats, a lot will be on, on two-year-olds. Because, Nick, obviously there are some trainers that, you know, point to this meet specifically almost for the two-year-olds as well. There are so many. If you don't, If you want to win this meet and you're a trainer, you have to be good with the two-year-olds. Yeah, it, it helps for sure. Um, you know, obviously Todd Pletcher is going to dominate a lot of the conversation there. Yeah. Uh, Matoli's best offspring so far is Vivi's Dream, who finished second in the debutante at Ellis a couple of weeks ago. I knew he had a stake source. I, I cheated and looked it up just now. But um, so, yeah, you, you know, you're going to want to I mean, what are you going to want to do? You're going to want to read the DRF Clocker report if you can get it right. If you if you want to yeah. buy it, it's really wor worth it, um, especially for some of the big Saturday races. One of the good resources as well is uh, going to be to listen to Steve Bick. Steve's going to have Mike Welsh on pretty frequently, and they're going to talk about good two-year-olds. Um, and then, of course, the board is going to give you a lot of indication as well. Um, the other thing I would say, and, and this has been true of the last few years, the, the, the public's fascination with Chad Brown in two-year-old turf races has actually created some value in, in, in a lot of cases. So don't just default to Chad um, he's, he's actually, he's not winning these at any higher percentage than he wins in general. So it's, uh, it, that's actually something where I think you can create value by just almost categorically taking a stand against those horses. I mean, with two-year-old first-time starters at Saratoga, um, over the last five years, and then that of course includes, uh, the pandemic year of 2020, he's 22%, right? And, and, and he had, he had a total of three winners in that category last year. One of them was in a sprint. So, I mean, he was about three for 20 last year in these. That's not, those aren't Chad numbers. So, and, and I mean, the ROI was awful. So it's, you know, it's something that you want to keep in your, in your hip pocket. I think that that's a great point. And the last thing real quick, we, uh, people are, most people are familiar with the track configurations. They add the mile shoot. Do you have any particular trend or things that maybe the inexperienced handicapper should be looking out for, whether, you know, you want to be in the inner post on the inner turf or just anything that comes to mind right away, Nick, that you would expound to some less experienced handicappers? Outside posts on the inner turf, especially at a mile or rough. Um, inside post sprinting on the dirt can be difficult. Be very careful taking horses that come from deep in the pack. Um, unless you notice there might be a day where the rail is bad or something. It's generally been a pretty difficult place to make up a lot of ground. I would even go so far as to say it's probably the most speed favoring dirt track in New York. 
So those are the things I think that would stick out the most. As far as the turf sprints go, you actually generally see horses do better from off the pace um, when the rail is out than I think when the rail is down. Um, The rail's not down on the melon very much. So it's only down, I think, for a couple of weeks, really towards the end of the meet, uh, maybe Travers week and the closing week. So those are kind of the ones. The the biggest bias that I've uncovered over the years has been when the rail comes down on the inner turf. When the rail comes down on the inner turf, the inside pass are gold. It's been that case for years now, going back at least five years, because they start with the rail at nine, they work it out, then they take it down four-star Dave week, and that's generally been the week where it's been very advantageous to save ground. So something to keep in mind. Pete, we've certainly seen a lot of wire jobs on the turf, and we talked about this as one of our New Year's resolutions, that to make sure you at least have one speed horse and uh, you know on the turf going two turns. Inner especially, yep. You got to yeah. do that, right, Pete? You got to. Well, this, this is probably why I'm never as excited about Saratoga as every other person, because I always forget that rule. And then I wind up just getting pissed off when the speed horse beats me and I don't have it. So, you know, maybe if I change that and, and smarten up a little bit, I'll, I'll be a little happier this year. <laughs> Last thing, and I don't want to dive very deep in this, but I got to ask you, Nick, uh, you, you already brought up, uh, we're not going to go through the whole controversy. That's a whole other show. Um, you and I are going to benefit financially slightly, but I think we would take the few hundred dollars that we're going to benefit from and almost rather have it not happen. I'm just going to leave the floor open to you um, on anything that you want to say. I'm sure you've talked about it some other shows, and I apologize if I if I haven't heard you on other shows discuss this, but everyone knows what happened. Three people in DQ, they were all from Chicago, unfortunately, for collusion. The only thing I'll say is I've heard some people say it's hard to find collusion. It, it's subjective. I would say yes and yes. I would also say you know it when you see it, and this was as obvious as it comes if you are a contest player and understand how these contests work. Yeah, um, uh, it's funny. Actually, Jonathan and I were on a podcast and we were starting to talk about it. We were mainly kidding. And then my phone rang and it was probably fortuitous because I don't think he and I were going to say anything productive on it. One thing I will say that, that I could say in jest, and I also mean it, is that if what those guys did is the same as what he did in terms of a ban, that's pretty tough to believe. But hey, you know, that's the decision that was made by the NTRA and it's their show. So, you know, things like this just really take away from the spirit of the event. And one of the things about that event is that it's really treated as, as sacred by the people who run it and by the majority of the field. You know, there's a there's a sense of accomplishment simply by getting there. Um, Paul, you know, you're going to experience that next March. And Howard did this March and did well, which, you know, makes it a thousand times more fun. It's fun to, it's fun anyway. Right. I mean, I've had fun in every single one I've gone to. I've only done well a couple of times, but um, so it's unfortunate to see that anybody would do anything that obviously breaks the rules and or takes away from the spirit of the event because it's meant to, to be a good, hard competition. It's a very difficult tournament. It's very hard to do well in it. So uh, these guys obviously had a strategy that they employed. I will admit, rather flawlessly, uh, but it also was was against the rules. So they deserve a punishment. Um, I would have banned them for life. I would have, suppo- I would have supported banning them for life. Um, I don't really know if they would have shed a tear about that. They're guys that really haven't been all that active on the tournament circuit, but you know, you wouldn't have ever had to worry about them again. I think the best thing that comes of it is that, and this is a crude comparison, but there was an old joke that the best time to buy stock in an airline was after a plane crash. Right. Because it meant that they were going to be as safe as possible. So now the NHC is going to be audited and watched better than it's ever been audited or watched before. 
So I think if you're if you're worried about credibility of the tournament or of the uh, the spirit of the of the event itself, it's never going to be more important than next March. So I would say, you know, if you're somebody that and obviously there's a lot of people out there with varying opinions, especially on social media, I wouldn't stay away from the event because you think it's not on the up and up. Um, there are plenty of reasons to stay away from the event, believe me, and, and I've heard them and I understand them, but um, that to me is just not one of them. Okay. Hey, what? Howard, I was going to say, go ahead, you go first. I was going to ask a question, a follow-up on no, that. No, go ahead, go ahead, Pete, real quick. No, we'll Since go I'm not someone who's participated, but I, I'm curious, because, and not, not to get too in-depth, but collusion seems oddly difficult to prove. In this case, it was pretty widespread, and there were a lot of picks that were similar. But would you have to expect that you would almost draw the line and say, oh, OK, we have a certain percentage that are similar? Because what if you just have, you know, a third of the picks are the same, whereas these guys had I forget what the number was, was pretty high. Like, would there be some sort of threshold where you would almost say you have to meet something to really prove it? Or would it be some super subjective where it's just like like you said, we sort of know it when we see it. But then it gets a little murky there, I feel like. Go ahead, Nick. I'll let you answer that. I mean, so I would probably, I would look after the first day and see if anybody out of 18 picks was probably above 12 or so. I mean, if two thirds of your picks match, that's a lot. Yeah. Uh, more than that is getting to be a whole lot. And, and you know, let's say in, in one of the circumstances, I believe that two of these guys had identical optional plays which that's really hard to believe. I mean, we're talking yeah, about yeah. a pool of, you know, 40 races or so. It's very hard to believe that that they would choose the exact same ones. I would not say anything to them after the first day. I would just have somebody watch them on the second day and see the process of going and putting the plays in and things like that. I really don't think that's that difficult to do. But um, yeah, so it, it's, you know, the the normal, based on some of the data I've seen, the normal amount that two entries could match in terms of the same picks is probably somewhere around 12 out of 36, 14 out of 36, maybe at most. I mean, these guys were in the high twenties, low thirties. Yeah. So it's uh and I, and ironically, I mean, the biggest case of collusion that we had ever seen in a major tournament prior to this was in the BCBC where it's a hell of a lot easier to collude. And, and prior to there being a lot of monitoring of that um, it was real. It was, it was even easier. So um, it's, it's, you know, it's a little surprising that it went that way, but at the same time, it's good that that it, it ended up happening the way it did and that now everybody's hip to it. And obviously the auditing process will uh, will look a little different next year and it'll look different for the better. Well, not only that, Pete, it's a lot of it's when the picks are made. If you make a lot of similar picks early and then when it counts, you're all branching off. That looks very weird, right? Yeah. Yeah. Why are you all of a sudden doing, you know, why are you, why are you changing your strategy all of a sudden? Well, obviously, so someone will hit something, right? It's just... The, again, we could get it. We can get in the weeds and talk about it for two hours. But the timing of the picks to me also uh, means something. But anyway, um, what what's what is great about uh, NHC Nick, which I don't know if you're going to be there next year. I hope you will. I think you've already qualified. Uh, are the dinners at night uh, with Matt Miller and whatnot? So we'll be hitting that again. I think Paul Allen will be joining us for sure with some of those dinners in Vegas. Uh, all right, guys, let's get into Saratoga. We're going to talk about five races. We're going to talk about. Race one, and then uh, these are all races on Thursday. Race one, and then we're going to skip to the late pick four. We often do pick fives on the show, Nick, but I didn't want to do more than five races based on time. Let's get this out in the open right now, guys. The weather in Saratoga, here's the deal, okay? Some days are going to be beautiful. Some days are going to be all rain. And about 75% of the days will be chance of scattered thunderstorms. Who the F knows what's going to happen, Nick? That's about. That's how you can basically sum up the weather in the Adirondacks, right? 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. And some days you might get a little bit of all of it, right? So I think if you work yourself into a frenzy about uh, the weather, you're just going to end up very frustrated. So I wouldn't worry too much about it. Um, like you said, there are going to be days where it rains. There are going to be days where it's dry. So don't, uh, you know, don't go too crazy. And yes, right now the forecast is for rain. There's obviously been a tremendous amount of rain in the Northeast, yeah. um, especially up towards, uh, towards Saratoga and into Vermont. Um, so hopefully it dries out. And if not, then we'll be dealing with a wet track. There you go. And just deal with it and move on. The first race of the Saratoga meet is at its traditional starting time, about 110 Eastern. This is, of course, Thursday. It's a field of seven. The, uh, they are going a mile and eighth. I always start in front of the stands. These are for the girls. It's an optional uh, 50 N1X. Moyline favorite is the number five, a New York bred Boston Bay for Linda and Jose Ortiz, a combination we're going to see quite a bit, Nick, uh, up at Saratoga. And three of us are going with that horse. And you my friend, or the only one that is not. You're going with the Louisiana bread. Sabra Tough for Dal Stewart and Relu, a closer in a race that, in theory, has a lot of early speed. Yeah, and, and I wonder, truthfully, if um, coming out of a couple of, well, I guess Ellis at a mile is about one and a half turns, but I wonder if uh, Relu might try and keep this filly a little bit closer early. It is difficult to fall too far back at a mile and an eighth and be effective. I mean, she did wire her debut win going all the way back to about 13 months ago. Um, I, I liked this horse on the drop. I feel like this is a, is a pretty substantial drop in class. It is also a situation where she's getting Lasix for the first time, limited sample, modest win percentage, but Dallas Stewart has a positive ROI first time Lasix with non first time starters. So I felt like that was, uh, that was at least something I could, I could kind of get behind so I wanted to try a bit of an alternative. Boston Bay is a, is a mare that ran extremely well at Saratoga last year. And, you know, we were kind of joking subsequently about when she would run back to that. And she eventually did. And she's actually run well in, uh, in her last five starts, um, one of which came for Antonio Arriaga, a couple for Charlie, for Charlie Baker, and now a couple for Linda Rice, including that big win last time out. She's very dangerous. I mean, she, she's the horse to beat. To me, there's no... You know, there's no doubt about that, but uh, I thought Sabra Tough was at least a, a decent enough alternative at a price. Nick, any concerns with the distance with Boston Bay by Boston Stones? A little sprinty on the male side. Obviously, the dam side, there's some more distance, but uh, she's never gone a mile and eighth, and we didn't really talk about two turns on the dirt. That is a situation in general where speed plays better than most people think as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And a lot of these races become kind of a, a battle of attrition. I mean, they can get yeah. they can get very deliberate in the final furlong uh, furlong and a half. So, um, it, yeah, I would say I'd, I'd be a little concerned. Um, I mean, one thing you have to I have to admit about Linda and, you know, Linda over time was I mean, five plus years ago, Linda was an auto toss in route races. She just did not have the right horses to go long and it seemed like they never won and uh, her barn has been totally reinvented. I mean, she is really, I, I was saying this actually to Jonathan on the podcast we did today, you know, people who think that Linda is a, is a turf sprint maven that has, you know, a lot of New York breads. I mean, she has a lot of New York breads, but she's got a hell of a lot more dirt horses than she ever did. She's been a very astute claimer. And obviously this horse is one of them took taken for 45 came right back to back two races later with a win. And, you know, if she wins here, I, I think the purse is a hundred and hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Purses are on. So, yeah, it's insane. I mean, it's, it's a great claim. 
Yeah, uh, 149.5. Pete and Paul, real quick, any thoughts? We, we all are going with the five. Either one of you want to have a, any other comments on this uh, horse owned by winning move stable? Go ahead, Paul. No, I was just going to say I've mixed emotions. You know, I, I, Nick touched on it. You know, I think you could fall into a trap and looking at these races saying, well, mile and an eighth, you know, someone's got to come from behind. And it does often play out where, uh, you know, it, it's it's the dirt version of the merry-go-round. Uh, I do think I was kind of thinking the same way. You know, I, I put the seven second uh, thinking because he's run the mile. Uh, she's run the mile and an eighth. There we go. <laughs> There we go. Nick, if you got a beverage around, anytime there's a misgender, we have a <laughs> beverage on the show. And I get it out of the way early, Nick, every usually time. Usually you do. <laughs> Paul's almost the first one, usually. But like anyway, it. so uh, <laughs> I do think, though, there, as, as Nick touched on, there is a, there's certainly a chance just this five leads them all the way around. I think, though, if it's going to be one from behind, I, I, I wanted to have the seven in there. You know, he's bitonalist. He's run the mile and an eighth. She, I did it again. She's run the mile on an eighth twice. So uh, either way, it's the first race of a wonderful meet. So if you lose, there's plenty more to come after that. Paul, I will say real quick, uh, I do have a slight history with the number seven. I did talk to Miguel Clement personally before Ocean Ga- uh, Gateway made her debut. They were very high in the source, Nick. They really thought she had a nice future. She hasn't really put it together yet. But but I think the distance, you know, by tonalist will be great. I would toss out that Pimlico race. I wouldn't be surprised um, if, if this one rebounds. But I think she does have to set up a little bit uh, on the buyers, uh, Nick and Pete. Don't you think? Yeah, no, I agree. Go ahead, Nick. You can take that one. Yeah, um, I, I was surprised with how well she ran two back. I felt like distance would would uh, would be her friend. She ran a little bit better than I thought. Uh, but boy, she was bad last time, and so I yeah, just don't know. You know, I don't know what that could be. I will also uh, comment that Christophe Clement had a very slow Belmont meet, and he's a guy who has started off this meet very quickly in the past. Obviously, yep. his uh, Miguel spends a lot of time with the horses up at Saratoga, so I wouldn't be shocked if he reverses that a little bit. But uh, yeah, sixteen percent with a dollar eighteen ROI at the recently concluded Belmont meet. Those are not Christophe Clement like numbers at all. No. The only thing, the only thing with the seven that scares you a little is ran the best race on the slop. It was an off the turf, and it was only a four horse field. Right. So all those factors make it is as that sort of fool's gold. You're not really sure you want to see it again. Maybe. A great Real quick on the one, I think the ones could take a lot of money. I watched the first start. I don't know your opinions, Nick or Pete. I was not impressed. I mean, she was like, she it was very grindy. It was a small field. She got to the outside eventually. Maybe she's going to improve with the distance. I know she's got the rail clear. This is the kind of Chad Brown. We've talked about this, Nick, many times, even though this is a dirt race. I, I'm not a fan of this horse. I'm going to let this horse beat me in general. Pete, you've got her second, though, so you disagree. Well, no, I, I, I just think I didn't love the field that much, and I, and I put her in second because I thought she could maybe get a good trip from the yeah. rail. I don't think there's – I, I didn't look at this as much of a speed race. I was a little confused as to who would actually be the speed. I mean, I like the five, but I think the five can sit off if necessary. So I thought maybe the one just works out a decent trip yeah. and is decent enough. And there's an improvement after, off that first race. I did have some, I'm not going to get into them because they're really super stupid granular stats, but there was some Chad Brown, bad stats and second career starts with the maiden winners on dirt. So there was a bunch of stuff at this level and I was like, ah, I don't love it, but, I don't really love anybody in the race. So I thought the rail might help this horse out and that would be enough just to sort of keep her in contention. 
I think it's a fair point. Let's move on to race seven. This is the start of the pick four, guys. Um, and it starts at about 4.34 Eastern Standard Time. It's a starter allowance, uh, 50,000. Phillies and mares, three-olds and up. They're going seven furlongs. It's a huge field. What a surprise. <laughs> field of 11 here. With the Moyline favorite is who? The number 10, Obrigada for, there it is, Rice and Ortiz. Let me bring up the banners. Whoops, I had the banners up. And they're scrolling on the bottom of the screen. Nick, we're going to always have you go first. We do have the five scattered a little bit, but you you are the only one that has the five, I believe, on top. Yes. Uh, Sa, uh, Sa Foradada, Dutro, and Irad. Yeah, and this is a, this is just a classic cutback play for me. This is a, a Philly who, a mayor, I should say, who went a mile in the 16th last time. And, you know, generally I wouldn't, I wouldn't go anywhere near horses like this who essentially have perfect trips and have dead aim on the leader and come up short unless it was a circumstance where something was changing and two things are changing here, really three things. Um, one of them is that this horse is going from Jamie Torres to Irad. I don't want to beat up on Jamie Torres because that really wasn't much of a, of a situation where he did anything wrong, but this is still Irad Ortiz Jr. getting on board. Dutro's adding blinkers and they're cutting back. So this is a, a, a mayor who's likely to just be taken back to make one run. It looks like there's a decent enough amount of speed to set up that run. And so she's, you know, she's just a horse right now that's going to be able to settle and make one run. She's got a little bit of a refusers look to her. I don't love that she's found a way to lose a couple of races that, uh, that, that she really did have dead aim on the leaders. But I think this is just a good circumstance for her in terms of a potential race dynamics. And, and it's going to be a rare, maybe a rare opportunity pending scratches where you'll get Dutro and Irad at a, at at least a square price. Nick, I, I totally agree. And I love turnbacks and especially at Saratoga. And we can, again, we can talk an hours about which distance turning back to what distance, but the seven furlongs at Saratoga for some reason seems a little more demanding, Nick, than your normal seven furlongs at other places. I don't really know why. Maybe it's just the competition makes it feel that way, but I absolutely love the turn back. You've got the 10 second, which, uh, uh, I like as well. That is actually, I think that's my, and I, I have him third, but other people, is it Pete or Paul has the source on top. Obrigada for Linda off the claim. Very dangerous. With hey, Howard, real speed. quick. I actually have the five in the first spot instead of the seven. I don't know if oh, you just updated for the, oh, for the recording. Right. Yeah. Sorry. Any quick thoughts on the 10, uh, Nick? Yeah, I mean, look, with all due respect to Jason Barkley, this is supposed to be a, a move-up claim, right? I mean, this is – Linda's supposed to do better with Obregada than than anybody did, and, and you know, Obregada got a 79 buyer last time. So, I mean, yeah. she doesn't really need to improve much at all. Uh, this this filly feels like a Saratoga type of horse, um, at least on the main track. She's going to be forwardly placed. She comes out of, a, of an improved effort. She has a very positive uh, thoroughgraph pattern as well. So, I mean, plenty to like. I, I don't see much argument um, with anybody who wants to really um, not necessarily take a stand with her, but at least give her some pretty serious consideration. Linda's numbers off the claim, especially in the la this year, have been very, very good. I mean, she's bumping up on on 30 percent and hitting it around a two dollar ROI. And that's a hard thing to do, especially when you run a lot of horses that are know that are relatively short prices so uh, i think the one thing we know about this race other than assuming that safra dada is going to really benefit from a cutback which i think she will is that if obergata runs her last race it's going to be hard to imagine she's out of the exacto yeah she's gonna be really tough and i like outside speed that's why i'm going with the nine condiment girl i have to admit she's got to run back to her last race and maybe even better i do like she's gone a little bit further though 
than Obrigada. Obrigada's mainly gone six and six and a half, Nick. And although I don't like that Condiment Girl's inside another speed, she has one going a little bit longer. Maybe the upside isn't there, but I do like the fact she's gone longer. Diodoro is so damn dangerous anywhere. And so I'm hoping, and I like Torres. It's been interesting to see how new jockeys, it's been interesting how uh, Torres, uh, Christian Torres does because he had a hell of a meet uh, at Oakland this year. So we'll see how he does. Pete and Paul, any quick thoughts on this race from either one of you? Any horse you choose, now we're going to move on. Yeah, no, I just thought it's interesting to see Linda going into Kentucky and poaching. Uh, there's another horse on the card, and I, I did see some social media. Uh, apparently not everyone thought uh, took that kindly to that move that because she doesn't really run in Kentucky. But there's this horse, and, and interestingly, she, she claimed this horse for herself unless she claimed it for someone else and it fell through. It's listed as uh, as she is the owner, and I think there's yeah. another horse on the card. It's either today or Friday, a Thursday or Friday, in the same. So uh, I did watch that replay, and, and I think Nick hit on it. You know, this this horse kind of grinded away. He, it, it looked to me like the type of race that uh, seven, the extra furlong will benefit him. You know, I don't think he's going to have any big, big flashy run, but. I think if he is forwardly placed, she is, if she is forwardly placed, uh, that uh, she will she'll have a shot at it in in the stretch at some point. Uh, and and I would agree with Nick that if she runs that race, she she should be certainly on the board, if not in the top two. Yeah, real Pete, quick. We covered your horses. Any quick final thoughts, Pete? We covered. Your oh, I was just going to say one. Nick mentioned that that she's been good first after the claim. I saw a stat first after the claim on dirt in the past year. When you she makes a jockey switch to Jose, small sample size, but seven out of fifteen wins, eleven out of fifteen in the money. So mm-hmm. when you put when you put Jose on her horses first after it, they've been performing pretty well. So it's worth taking a shot. Good point, Pete. Let's move on to race eight, guys. Race eight is a starter allowance, 51 mile on the turf. I believe this is, uh, yeah, it's on the it's on the melon uh, turf course. Uh, it's a field of 12. There's also eligibles again. We don't know the weather. Actually, those are AEs, not MTOs. So the 13 or 14 could get in. But anyway, it's a field of 12. If it comes off the turf, who knows? You got to do your own handicapping there. The Moreland Fair is the number four, my sea cottage for Cassie and Irad, and as they bring up the banners here, as you can see on the screen, uh, Nick and I are actually similar. We're both four, five, five, four. You're going with Kingfish Stevens for Carlos Martin Castellano. Nick, this is a horse that I liked last time, and just the trip didn't work out. But this is a talented three-year-old. Yeah, I, you know, maybe I'm giving this horse a little too much leeway for his last start, but. I thought he did kind of a sneaky bit of running in the middle of the race and yeah. he broke from the 12 on the, on the wider turf course when the rail had been taken down. It, there was no evidence that week that it was a big advantage to be inside, but this horse did, you know, understandably lose some ground all the way around there. And it was a fast pace that he moved right into, which is not the way you want to distribute your, your energy for the most part. I'll tell you the other thing that was wild about this was they, this horse took a ton of money because um, Timbuktu ended up taking a lot of money, not surprisingly being a Rick Dutro trainee with Jose Ortiz, but, um, but this horse got bet hard down to five to two and Carlos is bringing him back pretty fast. All things considered, you know, he's, he's back uh, what 11, 12 days later. So uh, I thought he'd run better here. Blinkers are going on, which uh, should keep him a little bit more engaged early. I think that's a good thing on the, the inner turf course. And I'll tell you, Howard, I mean, really my, my biggest opinion here, and maybe this is coming from someone who 
you know, singled him in the pick five, two back and was set up going into the last and needed him for a double last time out. I, I can't stomach my sea cottages last two losses. I mean, they have been like, they have been like snatch defeat from the jaws of victory type of losses both times. <laughs> so other than you thinking that maybe Irad is going to really uh, put the pedal to the metal on this horse coming out of the gate, which by the way, isn't really his style. No. You know, I, I think that'd be the, that'd be the easiest way to envision my C cottage winning because he'll seem to, he'll seem to lose a little courage late pretty easily. He also yeah, he, he does, <laughs> but I'll tell you what, he looks like he could be loose. And I just, if this horse wins, on the lead. I mean, I'm using obviously in the pick four and pick five, but I mean, it's, you know, last time he didn't have the lead, although he was, uh, he was comfortable. It just seems like when he gets loose, he gets a little bit more game, but two back going 25 and 49 and change. couldn't get the job done. I, I agree. Um, I just think there's not a lot of early speed in this race, but Pete and Paul, your thoughts on this horse or some others? I was just oh sorry, I was just no, no, you got Pete. The thing that jumped out to me were the the three sort of buyers that stand out were those three: the eighty-seven, the eighty-five, and the eighty-nine. And they all happened at Gulfstream, so that scared me yeah. a little bit. Where I was like, maybe I could take a shot against this horse, and and it's just going to get caught. Could finish in the money, obviously. You're going to have loose loose lead, maybe, but I feel like I'd rather have a horse trying to run this one down. Well, and you're only born a gambler, Pete. Yeah, I'm the only one. Nobody even has this one on the nope. board. And this is actually my favorite horse of the sequence. Wow. Probably, too, because it's a little bit of a price. And I'm hoping you can get a price if some of the others get bet down. I feel like this one probably needs to take a definitely needs to take a step forward. But I like the fact that now under Maker, again, Nick mentioned it earlier, sometimes you'd like to see a change that's causing some improvement. I like the fact that now in the maker barn, Manny had this horse last time and, and sort of sat off a hot pace. So I'm hoping if we can get a little pace here and get a similar trip to last time, two back ran a decent third to pioneering spirit who came back with an 85 buyer and one, and then moving back up, but it's not moving into some crazy, you know, it's not moving way back up and was in this company two back. And I think lost to a horse who I think would be favored pretty decently in this field probably so it's six to one and especially if he floats up if she float or he floats up a little bit i kind of like this horse at a price okay and paul real quick you want to mention the six a bunch of us have unleashed the power in the mix yeah i think the six especially with louis gets a good trip i think uh he's gonna be forward he, he was clearly they changed up the running style the last two who knows about the two fairground races you know they were whatever they were running on down there some <laughs> Yep. Some facsimile of grass and astroturf and field turf <laughs> or whatever, but uh, I, I think the last two races uh, were good. I, I like Louis on this type of horse. I think if the four goes, uh, he could sit off. And uh, I do agree with Nick. I, I think if you were if you were writing a book on a, a book a picture book on how to find ways to lose races, you'd have to put the four's last two starts. Uh, <laughs> in there he found a way to lose those two so and you know with louis being louis don't be shocked if this horse just goes too if i read doesn't do what i read typically doesn't do so yeah. i i think the six has a decent shot here and i'm not going to shy away out of him being by my friend curly i just was going to say paul there's no there, that was lot, odds on that you were going to take this horse as a curling so there was no shock there so you beat me to the punch Absolutely. And there might be some moisture in the turf course. So pay attention to how that may or may not be pristine, but there might be some moisture. So we'll see how that plays. Uh, 
the stake race, the uh, penultimate leg of the pick four guys is the Schuylerville. This is for uh, two-year-old uh, Phillies, the girls. Uh, they're going six furlongs, 175,000. It's a big purse, a big field, excuse me, of 11. Moyline favorite is the Pletcher train number seven, wine on tap. Uh, with, of course, Irad in the irons, and we go ahead and you see our picks, and two of us, Nick and I, are going to go with the Pletcher. I thought Wine and Tap was more workmanlike, I would say, Nick, in my opinion, uh, in her first start, but the one thing I like about this horse, well, there's many things I like, but uh, the one thing I do like about this horse, and I'm sure you're going to mention it, is the extra distance and even more distance will be her friend, it appears. And I also like the more outer post in these kind of situations. Yeah, I mean, you know, the other thing I think that's probably worthy of, of mention is that a tap it at five eighths is probably going to be that. That's not exactly the expectation, right? You expectations right. the source is going to get better going longer. The dam was a four-time winner, uh, three of them at a mile and a sixteenth, one at a mile and an eighth. So this horse is 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 running right now because of precocity and, you know, to, to put that in perspective, as far as, uh, as horses go, you know, this early in their careers, I mean, this horse looks very similar to Forte in, in the sense that she broke her maiden first time out with a very fast speed figure for, for a two-year-old, especially for a mid June two-year-old and um, is probably uh, not really sure exactly what she's doing. And, and in all likelihood is going to continue to get better as time goes by. I've been fooled by some of these Todd Pletcher horses that look like they really need to be ridden. A lot of them are just so distance oriented that um, you do have to kind of get after them. And she is one that you definitely had to. I don't love the way Devil at Midnight came back and ran, who was third in that debut. She came back and and performed rather poorly at uh, at Belmont last Saturday. But I did think Wine on Tap finished, all things considered, and um, and is a deserving favorite in here. I think it's tremendously interesting that both Todd Pletcher and Wayne Lucas are looking for their seventh Schuylerville, respectively, um, especially given their personal history. And so I was kind of Captain Obvious. I mean, I picked her over Status Seeker. I did think Status Seeker was a little interesting. I at least... You know, I, I remember when I made buyer figures, one of the things that Andy Byer told me very early on was don't don't underestimate how much horses are going to improve from their debut to their second start, especially two-year-olds. And the one thing I really liked about this race, and Status Seeker, who's the three that you're hovering over right now, she had a great trip, no doubt about it. But, you know, these horses are not finishing like horses that are getting a 48 buyer. Right. I mean, they're they're running. They're pulling away from the rest of the field. She's really digging in and lengthening her stride. So I don't know if maybe this was a situation where this track was a little slow early. This was the first race. There were a couple of turf races right after it. Bottom line is I don't want to hold a slow fig against this filly. I like that she sat comfortably and finished. Nice gallop out too. And Sorry, gallop out was very good. Um, breeding suggests that more ground will be no issue. The upstart progeny have been very good early on. So I think there's a lot to like about Status Seeker, and I, I would give her a, a big shot in here. Guys, the reasons we have Nick Tamaran, I just moved this four up in my um, book. You sold me, Nick. Uh, and you mentioned D. Wayne. I watched Saratoga Secret. I don't know. I mean, you think maybe D. Wayne will have this one improved, and she's by get out of a Fort Larned mare, so you'd think even longer. I don't know, Nick. I wasn't blown away with the five. I think she's going to take money. I have her third, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I have her third as well. I'm um, not going to be surprised 
if she wins. You know, this is this is obviously a big field, Skylerville. So you're, I think you're going to get some pace. I think there are a couple of horses in here that'll really come blasting out of there. And obviously, these fillies are so lightly raced that a lot of them just know one thing, which is to to go and um, and hang around as long as they can. So um, I'm not going to be shocked if uh, if she you know is really pedal to the metal out of the gate, especially with Luis Saez. Um, I thought her debut win was fine. It, it didn't didn't exactly blow me away, but you know it was good enough. She's coming back on somewhat short rest, um, a little less than three weeks. So yeah. you know she made sense to me if you had the ability to use three or more horses in the pick five. D Wayne's known to bring back horses pretty quick. He's not afraid to do that. Nick. Three That's weeks might be long for him. That is. <laughs> Sugar Treat to me, Paul, is absolutely fascinating. I've got this horse second. You have the horse on top. Nick doesn't have the horse anywhere. I understand why. The breeding is is interesting and weird. Her first race was really good. This is a total kind of mystery horse to some extent, but I think she's very dangerous here. Uh, Pete and Paul, you both obviously agree. We've all got this horse very high on our list. Paul, go ahead. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I do like the outside post going uh, this distance uh, outside she's the one of, here, everyone outside go of ahead. the speed. Uh, I believe Escape Room came back and, and ran yep. a pretty good race uh, off that race. You know, it's five furlongs on synthetic at Gulfstream. So it, that's really a wild card. You know, you mentioned the breeding, Howard. You know, it the, the, the sire is by Medallia Doro and the dam is um, uh, by Warfront. But Enticed and Brown Glaze as Sire and Dam don't seem like the combination that you're going to no. pay $120,000 for. Um, this was I impressive, just, though, Paul, after getting studied and checked. I know it's sin. You could say whatever you want, whatever. This is yeah. impressive first time you start. You don't see this going short of Gulfstream on the synthetic too often. Yeah, and, and you know, Cassie is typically not desperate to win these first time out. And, uh, you know, I just I think this was kind of workmanlike, you know, and he just and again, escape room did come back to win. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just think there's a if the seven doesn't win, um, you know, Pletcher is 13 percent in two year old dirt stakes the last five years. However, he's 19 percent when it's coming off uh, a debut win like this horse. And obviously the Forte analogy is a good one. So. You know, I could see the seven winning. Uh, I can also see him being over bet. I, I think I'm going to be inclined to try to beat him. Uh, Pete, you want to quickly sure. talk about Saratoga Secret? We'll get on the last race. Yeah, real quick on Wine on Tap. One stat that sort of threw me a little bit was Pletcher with two-year-old fillies in stakes races at Saratoga in the last five years, obviously one for 16 wins only, which that sort of surprised me because you always think of him as having – uh, maybe it's more of the two-year-old males where he has success, but that, that sort of shocked me a little bit. It's not the hugest of sample size, but one for Pletcher is never a thing. My, my thing with Saratoga Secret, you guys sort of touched on it. I think the breeding, I think, I think she's probably going to want to go longer, but I think Saez is the type of jockey who will get her at least close enough and keep her in the mix. And I think with her breeding, if there is some hot pace up front, I feel like this one's going to be running late. And Lucas, as much as I'm not a Dwayne Lucas guy, I, I he's been great with two-year-olds at Saratoga and uh, last year's meet. So if he brings that same energy back again, I think this one can run down the speed if it heats up up front a bit. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. We have a, a ton of people watching, by the way, and please keep chatting. I know we don't have time to show a lot of uh, 
comments in the chat, but thank you very much for watching. We've got hundreds of people watching live right now. I know we're going to have well over a thousand if you know, 2000, whatever views for this show. So thank you very much for all your support. We greatly appreciate it. Nick, uh, Nick I probably, oh, we Nick, got Nick. Nick, Nick always brings the out. Nick brings them out. What do you think? That's I mean, of course. We, in, we injected some youth into the show. Finally. <laughs> yeah, you know, finally. We get some. That's a good point. Uh, Nick, I sort of promised we'd try to get you off in an hour. So let's real quickly talk about the last race and then we'll let you go. And we'll, we'll talk, we'll talk about our pick five uh, construction um after you leave unless you want to stay on for a little bit longer it's completely i'm in no rush all right cool all right i mean the all-star game is i hate the i I just not a fan and what's (laughs) even worse is the damn home run contest but don't get me started on that (laughs) because it was like the the first one was like a speed round it was like a pitch every three seconds you don't even know where the ball lands it was don't, it was complete. You have to put money on these things, Howard. Then everything yeah, exactly. is more interesting. Then everything Listen, I is lose, great. I lose enough with the horses. I don't need to lose more <laughs> damn home run. There's journeys. Wimbledon in the day. There's All Star Games at night. Oh, There's geez. horses in between. There's places, plenty of places. <laughs> everybody. Uh, Got to end with a maiden forty, right, Nick? Maiden forty, two turns on the <laughs> turf, mile to sixteenth. New York bred, nonetheless. We love the New York breds, but you know this field is. Uh, come up a bit wanting there's a whole bunch of aes that you got to pay attention to because i think some of them are live if they get in if it gets rained off that's a whole other question more in line favorite here is the number seven uh erisima for a brayu and pratt we haven't talked about flavian yet on this show who ended the belmont meet with an absolute bang for sure let me go ahead and switch the banners here there we go and nick you're gonna go uh with a very interesting horse the number two uh sharice for Hennig and Lascano, and if you're a fan of Science the Lambs, perhaps you like Cherise. But anyway, what is it you like about this one, Nick? Uh, going a little priced on the card. That, by the way, in Science the Lambs was Clarice. But oh, Clarice, I'm, not, I'm sorry, I'm not, my bad. I'm here to keep you in line. Oh, I wasn't, no, I wasn't going to say anything, Nick. I no, wasn't, no, no, no. I'm glad you did, Nick. It's one of my favorite movies. I screwed that up. It is, that's all that, right. That I'm movie, sure by the way, scared the living shit out of me when I saw that. I imagine you enjoy fava beans and a nice Chianti as well. So <laughs> who doesn't, right? Yeah, of um, course. Yeah. <laughs> only only <laughs> in basements, Nick. It's got to be dark in a basement for me to eat and drink that. Anyway, go ahead. You know, I thought the drop would probably help Sharice. You know, I, I mainly didn't want to pick Arasaima, and and I couldn't make enough of the case for anybody else. Um, this horse looks a little bit like Hennig's horse from the last race on on uh, Saturday, but the difference is that that horse had at least done a little bit of running. This horse did a little bit of running two starts ago. I mean, she just went through the motions last time out. The surprising thing is that this horse actually has a good pedigree. This is a a good Gallagher stud dam side with a lot of of uh, New York bred turf horses that were competent. Obviously, Maximova was uh, was great at stake placed during her time for uh, for Christoph Clement. Sandra the Great was a winner on turf and dirt, and um, and so there was a little you know there was a little bit of uh, to like there going back a couple of generations as well. So she's just not much horse, right? I mean, she's just a, a regular sort of average thoroughbred. And and I think Mark Hennig is doing the right thing as far as getting her into a spot where she can run better. The inside post, I think, helps a lot. And, and I mean, this field is just, this is a hungry bunch. And um, and so I wanted to try somebody that would maybe at least offer a little bit of value. I always have the hardest thing with the maiden special weights who are crap, who drop into claiming. I always have the hardest time trying to evaluate whether, and because they always wind up winning and you don't play them because you're like, they're so awful sometimes and you and they just drop and they wind up winning. I always have a hard time with that. 
Well, and you sort of wonder why, right? Do they look around and they realize, oh, these horses aren't as good as what I've been facing. You know, it's kind of, it's, yeah. it's strange. And, and it is, I mean, I've, I was taught from early on by my, my, my father and in the books that I read, this is the biggest class drop in racing, right? I mean, there's no bigger drop than, than going in for a tag. And so um, you just are, I know you're, we condition ourselves to expect them to run better. And, and I think for the most part, that's a, at least a safe enough assumption. By the way, I had Hennig, Hennig was 0 for 12 the, in this drop, made in special way to maiden claim on the turf in the past three years. 0 for 12, 2 for 12 only in the money. So he wasn't even hitting the board much. So I had looked at this horse for that reason, Nick, like that drop must do it. And then I was like, ah, you know what? Screw it. Maybe, maybe this is one you can get past. But with the odds, I don't mind including her, including her anyway. Uh, yeah, Pete, we're going with here we go again. Here's another drop. But this drop in particular, I, I, I like the drop. I also actually like the layoff in this situation because there's you know, there's upside here as opposed to others. Uh, not I'm not discounting Nick's pick with the two, but not only is this one dropping, there seems to be at least in theory upside with this one, as opposed to others that are dropping with recency, if I'm making any sense. Yeah. And I also think there's a couple other changes. So dropped out of the maiden special to the maiden 75 actually ran decent at 30, you know, 31 to one yeah. wasn't open great. company 75. Yeah, too, open, yeah, you're right. You're right. Good call, but didn't run great, but ran no. much better than, than she had been. Now you're in the Falcon. Falcone barn where three for 13 wins 10 for 13 in the money first after the trainer switch in yeah. the past year so has an affinity for that picks up Saez so there's just enough things where I'm hoping that that last race can be the springboard and then the you know from a buyer standpoint and a time form standpoint Good off layoffs too by the way yes, Sorry. yes. there's the lay there's the layoff numbers uh past five years six months or more and the, the buyers and the time forms have been improving. So maybe this one's on the upswing yeah. uh, again in a, in a, in a pile of crap, you're sort of reaching for the, the less stinky <laughs> piece of crap out of it. So that's what I'm, that's what I was going for here pretty much. And then we got one more, Paul. I think this horse is interesting. I've got uh, stone of destiny third. Actually, I'm the only one on the screen that's got this horse also in the mix. I just like the drop down. I mentioned David Donk, the 57 puts this horse squarely in the mix and any slight improvement, the source is very logical to me at nine to two with Johnny V. Yeah, I think that's noteworthy. You know, Dave, you mentioned David and he does well up here. And you know, David did uh, JK's uh, podcast a few weeks ago, the JK plus one, which is yeah. very entertaining. And, you know, he's, David was very frank. You know, he said, you know, he doesn't get the IRADs and the Johnny V's every day, but he also doesn't basically what he said was he, you know, he doesn't reach for them unless he feels he has the horse to put them on. So the fact that Johnny rode the horse last time and Johnny stays this time and, you know, Johnny's at the point in his career where he doesn't necessarily need to be riding the maiden 40 state bred last race of the day. If he wanted to get out to dinner a little earlier. So I don't know. I thought there was some things to like. Uh, it does look like one of the drops is going to win it. And uh, you know, there's not a ton of turf pedigree. I will say that, uh, other, the, you know, it's a the broodmare is a broodmare sire is a lemon drop kid, but otherwise, as far as the horses who have run, there's not a ton. But uh, I, I just like I think the Donk Velasquez combo horse did have a little bit of trouble last time and just looked like Johnny V didn't really. 
pursue much after that with them. Yeah, Paul, the one that scared me because the, the on the sire side, one for nineteen in turf roots, and the dam side, one for fourteen wins in turf roots. I yeah. was like, for some reason, maybe this horse just shouldn't be routing, and that's going to be the problem. But I, I don't know if they'll uh, if that'll come into play here. So I think I was looking to sort of toss him, toss her for that reason. Well, Dustin, I'm gonna pay. To, Dustin, I'm gonna pay uh, to see. Pay to see. It's hey. review. It's pay you can include. View. You can include all of them in this race, Paul. And I don't think I'd argue with any of them. All right, let's go to our pick four tickets, guys. And Nick's going nice and cheap. Listen, uh, sometimes you have strong stands. You just go for it. Nick has just a ten dollar ticket for everyone here. He's going five with one four five. Actually, that is that's a comma, right? Six ten. That's correct, right? One four five six ten. Nick. Yes. Okay, let me just throw the comma in there and make sure it doesn't. Don't want to confuse people. There we go. All right. One, four, five, six, ten with four, seven with two, seven, two drop downs. Just ten bucks. Yeah. I mean, this would be kind of like a baseline play for me. This would be sort of an all A ticket. And uh, you'd obviously punch this for, you know, two, three dollars, depending on your budget. And then you'd build off of these. So um, in the pick four, you know, I usually try to play them at a, a dollar fifty to two dollar minimum, and keep it a little bit more narrow. The pick five, I think, provides more of an opportunity to to go at the minimum wager and, and maybe add a few more horses in here and there. So, um, to me, I think value can be created in this sequence a couple of different ways. For me, it was singling Safra Dada in the first leg and hoping, you know, maybe yeah. to to start it off with a four to one or nine to two shot or so, and then uh, just getting a live to Saima and and my sort of silly Charisse would be enough for me. So I felt like if Safra Dada could win, I'd probably be able to get a live because I do think Wine on Tap will win. And um, and then, you know, at least have a rooting interest in the last for me to probably end up cursing like I do invariably 20 or 30 times in Saratoga in the first couple of weeks. I like it. Nick, we're going to let you go. I'll let you back, back to your family and what else you got going on tonight. And don't leave everyone. We're going to go through the other three guys. So we'll go through our pick four. But Nick, really appreciate you taking the time to come on and giving your expertise. And man, if you want to follow Nick, one of the best places to do it in the money media, you, you're, I'm assuming you're doing the picks for Saratoga yeah. and the Players Podcast and many other places you can find Nick. It, it's a very difficult meet, uh, Nick, but when you do hit, it's almost much more gratifying than any other track, isn't it? It is. It's very hard. It's worth the work, though. And, uh, you know, as, as, as Paul said, it was, it's, it's Christmas Eve Eve. We're ready to, ready to go. This is Horse Player Christmas when Saratoga's here and Delmar getting going next week. So very, very exciting. Thank you so much for having me. I, uh, I remember when you were just one lonely guy doing this show, Howard. So, you know, don't forget everybody that, that uh, was there on your way up. But uh, oh. I, I know you won't. So I'm, I'm proud of you. And uh, I'm always oh. honored to be asked to come on. So. Glad Thanks, to do it. Nick. Appreciate Thank it. You, Real Nick. quick, when are you going to be in Saratoga? If people are going to be uh, going to the track, want to find you. I'll be there Travers week. So I couldn't end up getting up there before that, but uh, that's when okay. I'll be there. So anybody, right. uh, anybody that sees me, please come up and say hello. I'm hard to miss. Cool. Well, we're not going to, I'm not going to see it. Saratoga. I know we'll see each other. Somebody. I will be there Nick, and Maybe we can have a beverage. That's which we're long overdue. My friend, you got it. All right, Nick Tamro. Thanks a lot. Have a thanks, good luck everybody. in Saratoga. See you, Nick. All right. Thank take you care, so Nick. much guys. Good luck. All right. Bye-bye. All right, guys, Nick Tamro's awesome. I, I, I don't know how the to best. say it another way. Just a great – he's a better person than he is a handicapper, and he's a hell of a handicapper and morning line maker and track announcer. I mean, the guys, what he's done – he said he's going to turn 40 coming up. What he's done before the age of, of 40, Pete and Paul, this game is is absolutely outstanding. Uh, Paul, let's go to your pick four. Paul's pick four, five, eight, nine, ten with four, five, six. 
with one seven nine eleven with four seven. I gave these guys a fifty dollar budget tonight just because the pick four. 48 bucks. Uh, quick explanation, Paul. Yeah. You know, the way that I'm going to try to create value is, I mean, I obviously used uh, uh, the favorite in the feature, um, whatever her name is. It's escaping me the second uh, wine, wine on, on tap. Yes. Um, yeah. But I, I, I'd like to, I think the way that I could get value is by beating her. I, I think there's at least a 50, 50 shot. She loses, so I want it to be four deep. Probably not a great idea to be only two deep in the last leg. I was I was single to a lone A in the last leg on Sunday, Howard. So while Pete needed the 12 for to, in the contest, while you were cashing, Howard, Pete needed the 12 in the contest. I needed the two for 2,800, but uh, we're happy for you. Not, uh, re- not really, but yeah. Not, sure. No, you're not. <laughs> right. yeah. But Well, my horse, by the way, my horse was never in How you were against them. You know, it, it's one of those deals. I, I On a caveman ticket, yeah. I never would have singled them, but I would have never been alive on a caveman ticket. I, yeah. You know, that nine wins the first leg at 15 to one, and now all of a sudden, you know, you're in the market for yeah, a good A's. ticket. <laughs> but you got to get A's. But anyway. By the way, I do want to give us both compliments. I was right. Papilio did not win. But after stumbling bad, she ran big in the Oaks. So we were both right on that She one. really did. Uh, much better than you would have expected from that far back, right? Yes. She, she about, ran. It was, it was a bit of a mention, slower. Uh, can we mention my guy, Dracone, very briefly? Dracone scared Didn't the shit out of me. I did not have, I did not have <laughs> your horse in the pick five and deep and stretch scared the living crap out of me. He but our great. appraise one, that was our top choice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Appraise, yeah. yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so, I, yeah, so I, I'm going to uh, – I think the four, I, as much as you can like a horse in that last race, I do like the four, and, you know, I I, I do have the seven as as the other selection. So, yep. we'll see. I, I think you've got two very live horses there. Pete, your pick four. I love the, uh, when you get these pick fours, you get inching dollar amounts. The old $40, 40 50 cent 50. ticket. <laughs> five, nine, helps. ten with two, five, six with five, nine, eleven with nine, 10, 12. You know it's Saratoga when you get these big numbers and a lot of double-digit numbers in your uh, ticket. Pete, quick thoughts on your uh, sequence here. Yeah, first leg, I went just straight chalk, unfortunately, for the for the top three. Second one, I, the two is sort of my best play of the day, six to one, so I can get that one home. But but regardless, I actually I tossed the favorite in the second leg, so if I can get any of the other three home and that horse is the favorite, then I might be okay in the in the big race, again, I tossed the favorite. I just tossed wine on tap in this ticket and figured the heck with it. I think yeah. I think there's some horses we can we can beat her with. And then in the last leg, the crap shoot, I actually went three deep and and two of them. I got a 20 to one shot. The nine follow the Fed, who we didn't talk about, and the 12 at 10 to one, Janie May, who looks like the speed probably will, will die and get run over, but I, I don't mind having the speed of the speed at 10 to one. So if I can get one of those two home to close it out, then this ticket can really pay, especially if we do beat that seven in the in the big race. Uh, my ticket, I don't have any singles. I'm going one five eight nine ten with three four five six with seven eleven with seven ten. I'm gonna hold on for deep breath, going only too deep in the last two legs. I think Sugar Treat in the Schuylerville, the eleven, is really, really interesting in this race. If you're trying to beat the favorite, Paul, I completely agree. I'm fascinated to see what she can do. And I think in a weird way, if the track comes up wet 
that actually might be better for her based on her pedigree because often surf horses can handle a wet surface a little bit better. I will say Cassie tried to get this horse on dirt, by the way, and the horse, the race didn't fill, Paul. We didn't talk about that, but Sugar Treat, the 11 in the Schuylerville, was not meant to go on synthetic, everyone, but a dirt race didn't fill, and they were forced to go on synthetic. So if you think this is only a turf or sin horse, Mark Cassie does not think so. If Mark Cassie doesn't think so, that's good enough for me. And then well, and if she if she moves up off that off that race, she might get better on the dirt. She might. Then she she really fits with this field if she's yeah. just better on the dirt. I mean, the post could be a little weird, but other than that, yeah. And I've got seven ten on the end. I'll be just be praying and hope one of these drop downs uh, can do it. Before we leave, we got to take one more minute, Pete. Once again, uh, information on the Saratoga Power Picks. I'm going to show the stream one more time. The time is to purchase now. We have two different opportunities that Pete's going to go through very quickly. One is you can buy just Friday, Saturday, Sunday card on a particular weekend, although you do have to wait for that until the week, that week of the weekend races you want, or you can do a full uh, meet Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Pete, real quick, I'll show everyone where they need to go right now here we go yeah if you go to our website hhhracingpodcast.com you can click on the banner on the top or you can click just on our power picks page and as you can see like howard alluded to if he scrolls down a bit we have two options if you are already a power pick subscriber a regular power pick subscriber we have the individual weekend picks for you or we have the full meet and again those are those are at a bit of a discount and then if you're a non-power pick subscriber then we have the same we have the same options, but just at a little bit of a different price. And the one thing I forgot to mention earlier, if you want, you can sign up for our regular power picks. If you wanted to sign up for our regular power picks today, Howard would get the notification that you do that you got that. Then you can sign up for the discounted version of the Saratoga picks, and that's all fine. As long as you sign up for the regular power picks first, you'll be eligible for the discount. And we did have some people do that, by the way, guys, because they want the discount on the Saratoga Power Picks. Once again, before we close, we've got a brand new show. It's called Saratoga Today. It airs 10 to 10.30 Eastern Standard Time in the morning of each race day weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We'll be various people will be hosting. Uh, there'll be Ben and Boozing guys on. And we'll either be covering mainly the late pick five or the early pick five. Now, this week, just to clarify for everyone, the Saratoga Today shows are going to focus on the early pick fives because we talk about the late pick fives, of course, on our uh, Wednesday and Thursday night shows with Benton Boozen and our flagship. So we're going to make sure we alternate, guys. Be, make sure we basically have each pick five covered either in the morning shows or the night shows. So, Paul, we're going to have Saratoga covered like a glove all meet long. And there is a lot of info that needs to be sent out because this as much fun as it is. Oof, it is difficult in Saratoga. Yeah, and I think another thing to mention, Howard, is you know we're always going to touch on the stakes races one yes. way or the other. You know, uh, you know, you may have on a Friday, you might just have one. You know, some weeks you'd have more, but Saturday, you know, sad. You guaranteed one every day, pretty much. But yeah. Saturdays you could have multiple. But you know, on a Friday or a Sunday where there's just one, if it's at the end of the card, and we talk about the late pick five on the show. You know, I, I think we're always going to find a way to devote those some time to the stakes. The other thing we should mention, Howard, about Saratoga is the fact that every Saturday, I believe, except closing weekend, is on Big Fox. And we saw uh, 
the impact that could have with the Belmont Stakes. I mean, you know, apparently I, I made my way onto the air by accident, but I I can tell you that the number of, accident. Pete. I can tell you that the number of people that I heard from and the the relative to how they follow racing, which many is not at all. It, there are people who saw that who in a million years would not have seen it on Fox Sports yeah. 1 or Fox Sports 2. So that f- the fact that Fox is all in on racing is a huge positive. You know, there's plenty of negatives. We can talk about the negatives till the Saratoga meets over, but that is a huge positive to open up that audience every Saturday. I just think it's phenomenal. And the fact that Saratoga today is on every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday on YouTube, <laughs> also huge for viewers. Huge. Uh, two other quick things. I know we need to end, but I, there's things that we just have to get out. Um, Paul, you got a little bit of breaking news with Cody's wish. Do you want to talk about that very briefly? Yeah. I mean, you know, David Grenig wrote the story last week. Bill Mott said that he was 95 or 99% or whatever. Uh, I ha- did happen to find out today that he was a go and I was able to confirm it. So it's, you know, it's, it's no, it's no great scoop, but it is confirmed that they are definitely targeting the Whitney with Cody's wish. And who's going to uh, be there? Uh, God willing, uh, young Mr. Cody Dorman, uh, his good luck charm and namesake awesome. will be there. And, you know, I, I got a chance to see it on Derby Day, you know, when they did stop the horse on the way to the paddock, which is highly unusual. You know, Cody was sitting trackside. And I don't know what to tell you other than it is a real <laughs> thing. Uh, hopefully I'll be able to be a little more eloquent than that in my future writing about it. But uh, yes, uh, they, the Dormans are coming to town. Uh, that's their plan. They're going to make a vacation out of it. And uh, their first trip to Saratoga, obviously Cody's first trip to Saratoga. And I, as I texted Tom law today, Howard, I sleep very little when I'm in Saratoga that particular week this year, it might be zero between the work I'm doing for the special and the work I'm doing for the book and covering the hall of fame and, and I and I can't wait to not sleep. No, it'll be it'll be all worth it, Paul. And last thing, Pete, about our power picks. If you subscribe to our regular power picks, you will get Saratoga once in a while. We're not excluding or deleting Saratoga from our regular power picks, but because we do have a special Saratoga power picks, our regular power picks in general will focus a lot on Del Mar and other tracks. So we will, for example, this weekend have Saratoga on both picks but if you're a regular power pick subscriber we're not forgetting about saratoga we will cover that once in a while especially on the big days yeah i mean you're not going to miss you're not going to miss travers or whitney weekend most likely or or some of those other weekends they'll they'll be in there as well richard avalar bill mott's never won the whitney before that will change i believe next and and he had never he had never won the met mile (laughs) exactly (laughs) Uh, i'll tell you what though we'll talk about it when it gets closer though this is this is going to be a real field and a real test. No, I heard Zandon's going to be going anyway. We got time to West Willpower. That. West Willpower. I like that horse. Give Cody's wish some targets this time. Some good targets for once, actually. Forget the targets, Pete. Give me eight to five. Uh, you you might. You might. Uh, I mean. Uh, too I, much of a story. Yeah, too yeah. much. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it, that's true. I probably won't bet a penny on the race and. Will we'll be as invested as can be. Harvey yeah, Pack never true. bet on a favorite who's done, trying to do something he's never done before. Well, first he, time mile and eighth. Actually, no, did mile and eighth, but lost, right? Second second race. First, yeah. it was at Saratoga. Yeah. Uh, first race. Second, he debuted at Belmont, 
ran a mile and eighth at Saratoga. Didn't run badly. Was second and faded to third. And obviously, you'd expect a much different running style now. But so I, I thought of that, Howard, because that really works. That Javi Pack thing, and he has run. He has run a mile and an eighth. All right, guys, we got a lot, uh, many more shows this week. Please, we have a lot of viewers tonight, a lot of new viewers, I'm sure. Go to our YouTube channel, especially go to our website. All the information is there. For my great co-host, Pete Visco, Paul Halloran, and guest Nick Tamro, this has been your host, Howard Kravitz, episode 274 of the HHH Racing Podcast. Crush your bets at Saratoga this summer. Take care, everyone. Good night.